Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everyone and good evening. This is Bill Stearns, NE4RD, and you're tuned in to the most terrific podcast on the internet and the episode tonight is 243 and you're probably already realizing something weird here um i normally don't open the show and there's normally more than one voice here (laughs) but tonight uh uh, we have russ is uh traveling and he said he may be able to pop in and it looks like he's not popping in and uh, cheryl is busy batching it (laughs) over in missouri uh, doing all kinds of fun stuff, uh, without Russ. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and run our short topic show for this evening. Um, our lead topic, of course, is Russ is not here. So there you go. That's all we need to say with that. So our, uh, we'll go right into the stories here in our amateur radio topics. Uh, this topic is, uh, from a member here in the chat room. Uh, the Wemo Pico APRS transmitter tracker version three is released. Uh, Jim, uh, McKenzie here, VE5EV, aka Photo Jim in the chat room. He, uh, reviewed version two of the device in September's QST, if you get that magazine. And, uh, now version three is available, as was mentioned in the article. And from the designer's website, uh, the Pico APRS version three is here, and it's about 27% smaller than the version two. This made the world's smallest APRS transceiver even smaller, and above all, considerably thinner than its predecessor. The board has been redesigned for the most part. The GPS module now also supports GLONASS. This allows greater accuracy in the street canyons. Not sure what a street canyon is, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, it's a canyon with a road on it or possibly uh, you know downtown where you have the tall buildings. Uh, and, and in forests and valleys, despite smaller dimensions and a lower weight, there is no compromise in the TXRX performance. And it is the same firmware as the version 2 that is installed. So, sounds pretty good. Uh, Jim's uh, last uh, little final thought here in his article was uh, that while the device isn't the least expensive APRS device out there, it gives you a lot in an incredibly small package. And uh, that's from their uh, the Pico APRS website. And, of course, uh, QST. I got the September issue sitting right here in front of me. And uh, check the price over there on HRO, and it runs two twenty nine ninety five. So definitely not a little cheap device, but uh, definitely cool. Something you could clip on a backpack if you uh, had VHF uh, capabilities, meaning you had somewhere that would actually be able to hear you line of sight while you're uh, hiking and stuff like that. Where a lot of um, a lot of the uh, you know the the, the front facing mountains and stuff like that do. Uh, this device will work well for you. But if you're going to be back in the bear tooth like I would be. Uh, yeah, they don't, that wouldn't work at all. <laughs> I guess I'll have to wait for the uh, 30 meter version to come out. So, uh, very good. Uh, the next topic is the uh, Tokyo Ham Fair 2018 just wrapped up. It's the uh, annual event. 
this past weekend on August 26th, uh, finished. And we're starting to see some videos of the new gear that we, uh, we know about and some other interesting, uh, projects that, uh, maybe we haven't quite heard about. I, uh, stumbled upon the, the, uh, JI1 ETU channel over there on YouTube where, uh, he hit some of the booths. Uh, you can see some of the new and current products from vendors like AOR, uh, AOR, Linko, Yezu, Icom, among others. There has, uh, there has been a few reviews posted online and they've all seemed pretty positive about the event and the location. There's a mega thread over there uh, on the amateur radio subreddit, and I've linked that hidden in the show notes here. And uh, one new product that I hadn't heard about or seen was the uh, the ICOM AI speaker, which appears to be a uh, branded smart speaker, kind of like the Echo or the uh, Dot, that allows you to control your rig. So I'm thinking, uh, oh, I wonder what kind of, uh, is this going to be like a Hey ICOM or Yo ICOM, tune this lid out, or Hey ICOM, what does the Dit dit da dit da da didn't mean. So uh, who knows? Maybe they'll uh, they'll have all other kinds of uh, interesting things that you can uh, program your uh, your ICOM AI box to do. And it looks like they're also uh, opening up uh, opening up uh, the ability to run uh, the Amazon Echo as well against your rig for rig control. So uh, if you're into the smart boxes like that, then uh, then uh, take a look at that uh, that new speaker. Plan the ICOM AI speaker. All right, the next topic we have here is a is a uh, is a is an article I found that uh, pointed me back to a program called Minds on the Air MOTA. This is kind of like soda. Uh, it's another activity program wrapped around getting outdoors and setting up portable station. Uh, and I'm not sure if we run across this one in the past. I'm, I think we did, but I couldn't find any show notes on it, so I just wanted to kind of mention it anyway. I was kind of brought to the site following a post uh, from uh, from Johnny F, uh, WJ0NF, his uh, fifth attempt at uh, activating the Pyramid Group Copper Mine that was established in 1908, located in the located southeast of Casper, Wyoming. And uh, he says it's about 20 plus miles from the nearest cell phone tower. Mines on the Air is a fully isn't isn't a fully developed program yet. But it's working to, on, uh, you know, hitting a critical mass of interest and activity to expand the program. So I don't think there is any awards or anything else like that right now. Basically, the uh, site allows, uh, has a bunch of, uh, links and information, um, information links and sources of information on, uh, all the mines, all the mines you could possibly activate and all the registered mines. And, uh, it looks like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting places you can activate, not necessarily, uh, active mines, but, uh, inactive mines that maybe have been shuttered. And a lot of them are on, uh, public land, like BLM land. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting information there about mining and, uh, mine resources and mapping and stuff like that. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, you know, like, uh, soda, poda, or radar activity, uh, check them out on, uh, mines on the air. So we'll move over to our open source segment. Uh, and, uh, geez, I don't, I don't know what we would talk about here, uh, except for the, probably the biggest story that's been, uh, <laughs> been out there for the past, uh, past week and a half or so, uh, Steam Play Beta and Proton. Hands down, this is the biggest news that's flooding the scene right now. And it's a sudden release of, uh, at least sudden for me to find out about it. The Steam Play Beta that enables Linux and Mac OS users to play some Windows titles in Steam. Proton, according to the GitHub page, is a tool for use with the Steam client, which allows games, which are exclusive to Windows, to run on Linux and Mac OS operating system. 
and it uses Wine to facilitate that. Most users will prefer to use Proton provided by Steam, the Steam client itself. The store's code is provided to enable advanced users the, the ability to alter Proton. For example, some users may wish to use a different version of Wine with a particular title. There is a whitelist of titles that run well under the new environment, and that's that's growing. I believe <laughs> I believe the list is uh, uh, the last I checked was up to uh, over a thousand titles. So <laughs> uh, definitely not a shortage of titles. In uh, here, we uh, I linked uh, the Proton uh, GitHub site, uh, also the Reddit thread that talks uh, talks a little bit more about it. If you want to learn uh, sort of more about the Steam Play and how it works, uh, if you want to get uh, you know the real beta going on your box and you have a capable video card like uh like i have a kind of a uh uh an nvidia geforce uh, 940 mx which is not the greatest video card in the world but it seems to run fine on csgo and stuff like that you can uh you can enable the uh the uh, graphics drivers ppa repository because i was stuck at version 390 and uh, i saw several places where people were recommending going to 396 for performance so, you know me, I'll just go ahead and add the PPA. And, uh, you know, your mileage may vary with uh, doing that, that, you know, PPAs are a uh, double-edged, uh, <laughs> double-edged, uh, operation. It may or may not work out for you. Uh, but it, it has worked out, uh, quite well for me. I did notice some sort of weird stuff when I started changing, uh, the settings in games away from, uh, the default settings or what it auto detected would work best. So there might be something to that auto detection uh, thing that they already have set up. But I did try uh, running some uh, Windows only titles. I ran uh, uh, Bioshock Remastered, which is definitely uh, Windows only. And uh, beyond the very first time I ran it, <laughs> which it, it did crash, uh, and when you land in the water, uh, the second time it came up, it ran flawlessly and uh, you know adequate performance. And I've I've seen a lot of stories on this 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 week of people uh, experimenting with it and trying it out. And, uh, you know, it definitely looks like a solution for probably some of these older games that never, ever, ever would ever come to, <laughs> to Linux. You know, uh, I saw one story of Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, which, uh, you know, is a title from what, 10 years ago. And there's, uh, you know, many other ones like Age of Empires and stuff like that. Stuff that, yeah, yeah, no one's ever going to write a client for it. You know, yeah, we might get an occasional. Uh, somebody might port it or try to port it uh, if you have the the stuff. So uh, yeah, this is a great way to 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 try out some of these uh, some of these other games and uh, you know use your Linux system for gaming. So uh, try that out and check it out if you haven't already. Uh, along with this was a story I found uh, about the CPU and is your CPU on low power mode? Uh, with all the interest peaking in the gaming and Linux, some users have uh, noticed their CPUs not quite running to performance standards, as posed by uh, a Reddit user, uh, user uh, Respute. He said, uh, hello all, and welcome new people coming to Linux thanks to uh, Steam Play. I am no expert, and many here could explain this better, but uh, I will try anyway, hoping I do not get it all wrong. On most Linux distros, the CPU is set on a low-power mode, and... Uh, that's as far as I could test. Works fine in intense workloads, but something like games don't quite stress the CPU as much. Therefore, it'll stay, stay, oh, sorry. Therefore, it stay, oh, sorry, it stay in a, <laughs> I'm reading his words, it stay in a lower gigahertz uh, than it should be. So basically, uh, he, he wrote a script to change the governor setting on the CPU itself. Uh, another thing you can do, which uh, one of the readers, uh, responders uh, put in there, which is what I tried, 
was installing a package called uh, Indicator-CPU-Freak. And what this gives you is a uh, once you reboot or restart your session, you get the ability to change the actual setting of your processor, depending upon which processor you have. Mine, when I click it, I get the option of either going to power save mode, which is what it generally is sitting in, or performance mode. So uh, I did set it to performance mode. I didn't really notice much difference, but uh, still, it's just kind of one more tweak that uh, that might interest you if you get into doing the games on Linux. So those notes will be in the show notes. I was throwing this in here for a joke, <laughs> and uh, and and of course, there's nobody here to talk about the joke but me. So if I laugh through it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anyway, I was I was uh, so I titled this "No Judgment Butt Plug." <laughs> so in my search for butt, which is what I'm using to broadcast this uh, this uh, uh, IceCast stream out to you guys live. Uh, which is called uh, Broadcast Using This Tool, B-U-T-T. Uh, I came across another project that seemed to have fit into this uh, segment here, and it's called ButtPlug. <laughs> ButtPlug is an open-source standards and software project for controlling intimate hardware, including sex toys, um, I will say a badgering machine, uh, electro-stim hardware, and more. Uh, it features implementations in C-sharp, JavaScript, and other programming languages. It's support for popular hardware brands such as uh, Kiru, LoveSense, Aero, Steck, and more. It can support Bluetooth, USB serial, audio-controlled toys. It has some cross-platform laboratory uh, libraries sorry, available for desktop and mobile, because you never know. You, you really want to be unplugged when you're plugged in. And uh, open source with uh, permissive license, BSD3 clause. So, uh, yeah, so if uh, that open source project uh, uh, turns you on, uh, go check it out. It, uh, <laughs> it was just something random that I ran into, and hey, it was open source, so why not put it into the show notes? So there you go. And uh, let me catch up with the, ch- uh, the chat room here. I am reading, uh, just trying to see, let's see, uh, Half-Life, Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2. Yeah, most of the Half-Life games are available, and uh, I think they're already Linux run- running. I know because I play Source and all those games, um, <laughs> all of those games for sure. Uh, permissive license, yes. Uh, hitting up those puns for sure, yes. I'm I'm trying to do my best. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, so that's enough for open source in uh, in uh, that segment. We're gonna go ahead and go to our Linux and a Hamshack segment, and uh, we have a few things here. Uh, one was, uh, uh, brought, uh, to the attention of me. I can't remember. Somebody in the chat room sent this to me earlier. I could scroll back and figure it out. But anyway, the LHS podcast is number 17. Wow. Luke Baker over at Linux Links, uh, released a review of Linux podcasts on the first of the month. So this, uh, this August. And apparently we earned slot number 17. Each podcast was measured against three categories, content, conversational, and engaging. And if you feel we should be higher or lower based on our awesomeness or lack thereof, head on over to the, uh, head on over to their page and drop some comments on them. Uh, I was, uh, I was looking at the list and I'm, I'm loading it up right now so I could see it one more time just to give you an idea of what's, what's above us. Uh, uh, Linux unplugged, Ubuntu podcast. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Linux action news. Okay. Yeah. 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 So here's some of the ones that are that are after us. Uh, the Linux Link Tech Show, uh, Hacker Public Radio. I'm not quite sure that's a, a Linux only thing because there's all kinds of random topics. I, it's just really just just a public forum for people to put out podcasts. 
Uh, Sunday morning Linux review is on there and the Linux Lugcast. I'm not sure. Is that even active anymore? Anyway, yeah. So, uh, it, it's an interesting list. I'm not sure how valid it is or, uh, or how many people were in the review process to, uh, to check that out. But anyway, it's kind of neat, neat seeing us mentioned in a, uh, a Linux podcast scene of all the movers and shakers. And that's over on linuxlinks.com. The link is in the show notes, but I'm sure you can, uh, find it through your favorite search engine. Okay. Let me get back to my notes here. Where, where was I? Okay. So we got a couple other things here. Yes. Klog. Klog releases, uh, version 0.941. And this was just a quick patch, uh, patch fix to their previous, uh, 0.94 release. And, uh, on the, uh, on the 1804 build of Ubuntu, which, uh, the LHS, uh, podcast builds are built, are based on, uh, you have the version 0.429. So, <clears throat> or, is that right? Did I get that right? Oh my god. 9410. It must be, uh, they must be running a different version series on this. Hold on. Yes, 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 yes. K-Log version here is about 0929. Okay, yeah, I did miskey it. So the version that is installed on the 1804 repo is 0929. Uh, what K-Log is, is it's a multi-platform free ham radio logger. It's the only one able to run in Linux, Windows, and Mac OS, so this is completely uh, cross, uh, cross-platform compatible. K-Log is providing a QCO management, useful QSL management, a DX cluster client, DX uh, CC management, club log integration, WSJTX integration, DX marathon support, and much more. The latest release helps support uh, WSJTX. And that's kind of why I mentioned the whole version number thing, because uh, 0929 does not. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, put out this release specifically to address uh, WSJTX support. And uh, let's see, here's some of the features that uh, are currently in some of these releases here that we don't have access to. The WSJTX support to receive log QSO and real-time data. Uh, synchronize RX frequency with the satellite downlink uh, combo box. The uh, focus is back to search line edit when the right click on the list found. Wow, this is terrible English on their <laughs> on their website. Uh, anyway, so a lot of stuff was uh, changed and fixed. Looks like uh, uh, several bugs here when adding a QSO. The QSL is marked as received. Klog showed an SQL error and table QSL via needed to be renamed. And some DXCC statuses were not properly calculated. So there's currently no one maintaining a PPA build for this. And uh, so in order to get the latest version on your system, you are going to have to hit the old console and compile, 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 compile. So, uh, yeah, it looks like, uh, it looks like, uh, let's see here. Yeah, Don, KB2YSI, saying that he's been using it for the last year or so. And that's probably because it does have really good uh, satellite support. I did take a look at that. I did find some uh, some old satellites in there, which I'm sure you can probably disable. And you can also program satellites that are not already in the list. And I also noticed a few times switching between satellites that if it didn't quite, uh, quite switch properly, like I just switched to uh, Oscar 20, you know, it shows me the frequencies at 145 megahertz and two meters and uh, downlinks at 435. Um, but like the bands is showing 160 meters <laughs> as the uplink and 70 centimeters as a downlink. So some still a little quirkiness and stuff like that to uh, look at, but, uh, it looks like it's a pretty cool little logging program. It's, uh, ri- definitely written in cute. So that's why it's, uh, or well, at least the UI is in cute. So definitely cross platform with that. Uh, I haven't looked at the uh, code itself and I was going to get to it today, but 
I just ran out of time. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it there and uh, check out K-Log. And if you like it and you want some of the other features, start looking uh, to compile it. And it shouldn't be that tough. It uh, should compile pretty clean and easy. And, in fact, I'll go ahead and compile it. And if I run into any problems, I'll go ahead and add the, the notes to the show notes here. Uh, let's see. The last thing I have here came from Surge, uh, Oscar November 4, Alpha Alpha. He uh, stopped by the chat room to tell us about a write-up he did on Ritty contesting in Linux using Wine and Wine or WinTest on his website, uh, HamWaves.com. Yeah, on there he has uh, other topics, including a manual for getting uh, the Mini VNA Pro working on USB and boot- Bluetooth, uh, among other things, uh, and various resources, including a link to the podcast here. Thanks, Serge, for uh, for reminding me of your great resource. I know I've. Uh, I've definitely seen his site before when I was trying to set up uh, some other uh, logging applications with Wine, and he's covered them before. And yeah, it's well documented, and the links are all there. And he has a bunch of other resources too, if you just go down to the root of his uh, of his webpage. But he has a lot of a uh, lot of Linux uh, Linux and Ham resources all kind of compiled together. So uh, check that out. So let's see here. Yeah, PyQSO is another logger. There is a PPA out for that. Oh, I haven't tried that beyond just starting it. Um, just reading back here in the chat room. So let's go ahead and acknowledge uh, everyone in the chat room. I'm just typing them down as I see them. So we have Don KC9ZMY is here. Dave KB0OWD is here. Jim VE5EV is uh, not listening to us, but he's uh, he's slowly trying to catch up in the podcast, but he's uh, he's definitely here in the chat room. And we have Don, KB2YSI. I'm just seeing if anybody else has said anything. Okay, so let's see here. Social media roundup. I'm just going to go over the the Patreons and subscriptions. I did not go looking for new likes on Facebook and stuff like that. That was a bit out of my uh, out of my normal uh, <laughs> normal tasks. So I didn't want to go uh, diving into those uh, those uh, those those. Uh, social media channels there for uh, that information but let's go ahead and recognize our patreons we have uh, william heckelman john spriggs steve saner donald gover robert pitts uh paul griffith uh jonas rulio uh john zaruba jr samuel vimes steve metcalf chris beggio and darren king and over in our subscriptions we have steve happier uh jeff zimmerman michael jopling steve nichols Todd Bowers, Thor Wegman, Stephen Harp, Charlie Brown, Kevin Murray, Wayne Carpenter, Doug Reeder, Bill Piotr, Dylan Angle, Alan Wilson, John Clark, Michael Aiello, Robert Halliday, Brian Smith, Johnny Kinsey, Ronald Ike, Robert Yerke, Michael Connolly, and Jeremy Hall. And do we have anything else from our chat room? I'm sorry, I'm uh, <laughs> not as entertaining as uh, the three of us together. I know we all miss uh, Russ and Cheryl. Well, I, at least I do. <laughs> I'm not used to having to talk so much. So uh, uh, I'm just waiting here for the uh, chat room delayed to go out. And I see uh, Dan finally got into the chat room. KB6NU must have <laughs> must have figured out how to... Uh, how to uh, uh, register his nick. I'm sorry about that, KB6NU. Um, yeah, so about two weeks ago, we had a problem with 
a problem with spammers just constantly spamming the channel here. Uh, not just our channel, but every channel with any activity across, uh, across the Freenode network. And it just sort of got out of hand. And at that point, the decision was made to uh, click on the uh, forced registration flag, which basically means that your NIC has to be registered with NIC services and you have to be authenticated in order to join the channel. This is uh, very similar to the uh, uh, Pound Pound uh, Ham Radio channel. Uh, so they are set up exactly the same way and several other similar channels uh, are, are done exactly the same way. <laughs> Uh, and it does, it does limit the spam. We di- didn't get a single spam after that. Hopefully, uh, we'll get to a point where we can turn that back off and we won't have to deal with it. But, uh, I, I haven't been back on another channel to see, uh, <laughs> to see where that, where that, uh, uh, where that, uh, particular spam attack is at. So, uh, without hearing anything else, I know there's a lots of, uh, other things going on in amateur radio and open source right now, but, uh, these are the topics I chose to cover tonight. I would like to thank everyone for listening. This is, uh, episode 243, and I'm NE4RD, Bill, and I bid you all a 73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in the Ham Shack in the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.